There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. This thing is hunting us. All of us. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Come on. Come on. Kill me! I'm here! Kill me! You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. Yeah! Stick around. You're one ugly motherfucker. Dylan! Get to the chopper! What's up, you creepy fucks? It is your boy, BP, and uh, we're back again. We actually actually uh, had enough people listening to the, to the show so far to, to come back and carry on on this horror journey with uh, the Let's Talk Horror uh, podcast, and um, I'm super excited about this one. Why? Because we are talking about an absolute fucking classic, a film that I've seen. This is probably one of my most watched films of all time and a film that always puts people on the fence when it comes to is it a horror film oh yes it is a fucking horror film so uh you know get the fuck over it and uh, if you don't believe me listen to the podcast i'm going to tell you why but the really good thing about it is that not only am i talking about predator but i've got an amazing guest on i mean all my guests are amazing but this guest is amazing why because he's a friend of mine uh i've got coops cooping up who is a DJ and streamer on YouTube, Twitch, on bloody everything. He's a man, man of multi-talents and uh, he's here. You all right? I span all the platforms. Yeah, Sp- very well. <laughs> yeah, uh, all good. Um, I mean, if you're going to get in touch uh, and hate everything that I say uh, in this podcast, uh, you can find me on Instagram as well. Uh, yeah, which there is- we go. My name, Coopernut. You better read it in the description of the podcast, I expect. Probably yeah. a link or something. So there's, there's probably something down there. I'll probably yeah. put something in there. I, tr- um, I trust you. I trust you. I knew you would. Well, you, you got yeah. to. I mean, we've so we've been friends for, I mean, I was trying to work it out the other day, but it, basically for fucking ever. I'm, I'm very excited about doing this podcast with you because we know it's going to be absolute gold. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and how could it not be? We're like a combination of us and Predator. I mean, come on. Yeah, fucking exactly. Classic movie. Exactly. But yeah, we, uh, you know, we're, we're getting to, you know, getting your self-promotion and everything into it later on. Um, well, because... I've done it all. So all you right. know what my name is. That's it. All oh, right. Is that me. it then? All right. There we yeah. go. Well, that's I, mean, done. I, can't, I can't be like, oh, I've got a project. Like, I'm my own project. I never end. So right. it just keeps, just keeps, on, keeps on rolling. Don't worry about it. Oh. <laughs> well, what we may or may not do is talk about it later if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, so anyway, so let right. So let's get into talking about Predator. I, I, as always, I like to get straight into it. Oh, um, so, so, <laughs> so really, <laughs> this is how it's going to go. All, you always ask like your guests if it's OK first, though. I know you do. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it's with consent. It's consensual. Of course it yeah. is. Um, you know, anyway, so this film is released in 1988, which is fucking long time ago, which means we are now in our 35th year of this movie, which is absolutely fucking insane. And also another reason as to why I wanted to do this episode and do this film now, uh, because it is marking that landmark. Um, you know, when we talk about films that have been around for so long, and are still regarded as they are. Um, it's pretty insane. It is directed by John McTiernan. If you know that name, that's because you know that he also directed another absolute classic, Die Hard. 
obviously newsflash that isn't a horror film so i won't talk about it but it is a christmas movie so if you don't think it is fuck off happy christmas you pricks <laughs> and it is starring a massive cast in more ways than one you know i don't mean dicks or anything i just mean big muscles um so you got arnold schwarzenegger as dutch carl weathers as dylan shane black as hawkins jesse ventura as blaine bill duke as mac sonny landham as billy billy that's what i've put um billy billy <laughs> billy, billy billy bear <laughs> um <laughs> elipidia carilio as Anna, that's that. I said that completely wrong, by the way. Kevin Peter Hall. I, I, I bought it. It was great. Yeah, I thought you would. I think that's actually what that's a birth name. Yeah, I thought so. She's probably saying it wrong all these years. Um, Kevin <laughs> Peter, <laughs> Kevin Peter Hall as the predator himself, and basically a shitload of other people. It currently sits at seven point eight out of ten on IMDb and eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So for a film that's thirty-five years old, uh, that's still pretty good. I would say. Thumbs up. I, I think that's it's, it's pretty uh, pretty admirable, that, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And although it's a classic film, it does surprise me that it's it's that well-rated because of its how old it is. So the fact that it's still got that kind of recognition is wicked. Big up uh, Predator. Absolutely. Um, and as usual, you know, on this podcast, I'm all about giving you facts and shit that you don't know. And if you do know it, well done. But if you don't, you're learning shit all the time. You get facts, information, everything you can about this film on this podcast. Um, but we always like to start with the absolutely brilliant synopsis that you get from Google. They're always fucking spot on. But we're going to do something different because Coops wants to guess what the synopsis from Google is. So, so yeah, give it a go. First of all, I think yeah. that's something that you, should, you should encourage all your guests to do now. All right. Um, well, I will then. All right. See Particularly um, if you know they're really bad, because it'll be um, it'll be quite interesting what people come up with. And then yeah. the other thing, I know that all the all of the Google ones are quite short. So this is what I thought it, it's likely to say, having listened to your other podcasts and being such a fan, uh, I believe it's going to be uh, an intergalactic saber-toothed gloop lizard hunts Turbo Man and his friends around the jungle. <laughs> I love the so word. That's, I love the word gloop. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. It's, it's an intergalactic saber-toothed glute lizard, isn't it? I mean, that's, <laughs> I've smashed it. Um, I, re- so, I, I feel that's what they need to retitle Predator as. Intergalactic saber-toothed <laughs> glute lizard. Yeah, yeah. That, to be honest, if you were going to do like a B-movie, like Piss Take uh, yeah. of Predator, that that is a good, I think that's a good one. I think uh, it's but absolutely fantastic. Am I correct? Is that what it says on Google? I mean, yeah, 100% wrong. Oh, good. Okay. Um, 100% uh, wrong. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't expect wrong at the end there. Yeah, I expected wrong. the word right, so I've been no. pulled yeah. the rug from underneath me there. Sorry, I'll let you get on. <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically, Google, I mean, it's a, you know, you are right in regards to the shortness of them uh, because that's pretty much, you get a swift one with this. So Dutch and his team are out on a mission to rescue a group of hostages in Central America. There, they discover that they are being targeted by an extraterrestrial warrior. So you aren't too far away when it comes to, like, you know, they didn't me- reference it being called the Predator. No, well, no, exactly. So, uh, and and then some of the other words were probably there, like Anne, uh, his, yeah, and yeah. the, word, the word A, I think might have been around, might have been, maybe. Maybe that would be pushing it too far. But, you know, I'm quite happy with the percentage of accuracy. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you run it overall. through a percentage accuracy checker, uh, you know, you may have got 50%. I mean, I know I haven't, but I could have if I bothered to. <laughs> if you wanted to. to myself. If you yeah. wanted to. If you yeah. wanted to, you could. 
so so after that which you were really close with sort of I now start to go into my synopsis. And if you've listened to the episodes before, you know uh, that synopsis from me is where I go through the film and give you essentially a scene by scene, more detailed version of what I see happens in the film. Um, and as usual, uh, Coops, just, you know, jump in and, and give me your thoughts on, on, on those scenes or whatever goes on. Yeah, I'm excited. Good. So um I'm in. I'm in. Here we go. This is, but it's like it's pretty much like watching the fucking film. This is. Here we go. So we open with some spaceship that detaches, which is probably some sort of extra extraterrestrial warrior. Warrior, like Google mentioned. Then we go to go to a helicopter with some awesome '80s action star music going over top, where we are introduced to the characters, and ob obviously the last one to leave the helicopter is Turbo Man himself, puffing on a cigar bigger than my head. That, Some old... That's a very accurate start. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just, just kind of point out that I know I'm very early to chip in. I'm not going to do this every time you open your mouth, but yeah, do it. I've forgotten it started. It started in space. Yeah, well, like, so did I. The, I. I forgot about, and I and I paused it to see if I could see what the spaceship looks like. It's proper cool. It looks a bit like a fucking flying dung beetle. <laughs> um, well, I tell you they what, did, they did. But you see it for such a short amount of time, and I literally had to pause it, and you can't get a clear picture of it like no. it's, it's blurred because it moves so fast like frame to frame but it looks like a really cool spaceship and i completely forgotten that that like it's such a tiny it's such a massive bit of exposition yeah to just happen in like four seconds at the beginning and then it's like oh it, it, you you kind of automatically forget about it as soon as you cut to the helicopter yeah every every um, time this you're kind I of watch in film, that military story aren't you yeah. yeah. I, well, this is why one of the facts later on is going to blow your mind. So you wait. Oh, um, yeah, I know. Uh, so then we move on. So there's some old dude who gives a, a little a, a little smile to Schwarzenegger and he starts chatting him right up and tells him that he's looking good. And he continues to explain to Schwarzenegger the mission's plan. But now smooth as hell, Carl Weathers steps in and here we get the classic scene. Oh, oh, by the way, as well, just so everybody knows, every time I, I do a quote from Schwarzenegger, I am going to do Schwarzenegger accent that's going to sound so bad, and I love doing it. So this is going to be your first one, all right? Well, I'm going to step back a bit. So in here, we get the classic scene, Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to do that every time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they continue to test their masculinity and maximum muscle power by having a mid-air arm wrestle, which obviously Detective John Kimball wins. And even though they are best of buds, there is a slight animosity in the air between these two. John Kimball, is that Dutch's military name? No, John Kimball. I'm not going to say what it is because I want, if I do what I'm going to do, and I said to you earlier, I want people to guess it. So I'm going to say nothing, but there's going oh, to be a shit. lot of, there's going to be a lot of references and there's going to be a reason as to why there's a lot of references later oh, on. Oh, you've told me. Yeah. Sorry. No, I've yeah. got it now. Right. Um, um, can I just mention yeah. that before that there is the, um, the arm wrestle, yeah. there's a shot that just shows the arms purely for the high five. It's the most amped up. Oh yeah. Like, it's brilliant visual shot of a high and ev like I'm, I'm sure we'll get onto it later but everything is just covered in sweat like oh, the yeah, helicopter yeah. the leaves <laughs> like everything is covered in everything is sweating like, everything is covered in <laughs> so much sweat and then like even the cigars it's just, I can't believe they've even got them alight there's so much sweat everywhere <laughs> and that shot of the high five it's just like these massive sweaty 
like poles of iron clashing together. It's like so <laughs> iconic. It's great. I love I love the thought of everything in that movie sweating. Like everything's, everything's like everything's on fucking edge. So much. <laughs> it's insane. Um, and uh, the the only other thing that I I made a little note of in that section is like there's that classic eighties trope of like why didn't you just use the normal guys and then it's like yeah. the normal guys. They got shit on you. And the like, they say that about the entire army. In yeah, this. yeah. They're like, oh, the regular army won't cut it. <laughs> they're, they're fucking shit chat. compared to you. They, yeah. They're fucking and you, they're nothing. And it's almost like, and you know it. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, the kind of mise-en-scene of the movie has, it's still within that kind of, it's towards the end bracket of the kind of um, Top Gun, like yeah. military is cool era. Yeah. And there's so much like, military over like masculizing uh just the military as a whole like it's almost like hollywood was like we need there were the army said or the the, the u.s forces said oh we, we need some fucking more recruits let's make some films to just make being in the military look cool as fuck well that doesn't look <laughs> cool it's bloody hot in this movie but and everything's yeah. sweating everything's sweating i mean yeah i've never seen a helicopter so sweaty in my life <laughs> <laughs> so, so at this point, all the lads uh, are now going to head into the jungle. And at this point, they have no idea what awaits them. But not until Shane Black, who is now a big time director, writer for Hollywood films, tells some dirty jokes, a little bugger. Uh, so they get to the jungle and already they're getting to work. And the film sort of gets straight into it when they find a uh, crashed helicopter already with some mangled bodies. And it's already raising questions within the team that they already get a feeling that this mission might not be what they were told it was. Uh, so badass Billy, he's having some high quality H2O. When you hear something, uh, being always inquisitive as he is in the movie, he goes and takes a look and he's startled by some skinned Marines. There's no tracks. There's no signs of what could have done this. What the actual fuck is going on here? I did shit myself watching that, <laughs> that bit. That was the most, that was the biggest jump I got out of the movie. Is this that, the, the, when they're, that when they're hanging? I'd completely and forgotten about it. I was just like, oh, like it doesn't, and it's that age thing. I mean, it doesn't look real, but it looks real enough. Yeah, to use it. When you figure your... out what it's supposed to be, to be like, oh, sh shit, that's gross. And yeah, yeah, hor horrific. Horrific. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, and this is where you get the first look at a heat vision style thingy that whoever is doing this is tracking the unknowing Marines on their travels, adding to the intensity of the scene and obviously for the rest of the movie. So, so, so they continue to explore the jungle commando style, but are still unknowingly being watched. Um, they come across a base that they presume they are looking for and are here to deal with it in the most badass fashion by going full solid snake. Well, I mean, this is this is apart from when, you know, the Schwarzenegger decides to lift the whole fucking truck and then it all kicks off big time. You know, they're all they're all going in there like proper Marines and you're like, they know what the fuck they're doing. And, you know, obviously the the off camera work that they did in the Marine camp or whatever they did worked. And then fucking they're all like, where's he going? And Schwarzenegger goes, lifting the whole fucking truck. Um, that just makes me laugh every fucking that time. That scene of the camp exploding goes on for about 40 hours like it's just explosions <laughs> it's just and guns and explosions and guns that happens like two or three times in the movie there are like really long just scenes of just guns being yeah shot. just going mental it goes no one actually 80s. i mean in that occasion there are a few people blow up and stuff well basically they slaughter everybody actually yeah. there's a lot of 
just killing motherfuckers in that in that bit. That's some of the most like ho- horrific. If you talk about horror movies, some of the most horrific stuff is when they just slaughter innocent people. Well, that's with, it. Like mini guns in their face. It's fucking well, terrible. Well, that's it. I mean, well, it's here we get another classic one-liner from the governor oh, uh, yeah. after throwing a knife that somehow manages to go through a whole body and then manages to attach a man to a wooden pole. This is where he goes, stick around. <laughs> right? And then straight afterwards, he continues with a knock, knock. Um, but basically, at uh, this point in the film, it's sort of like what you're saying, where practically... It's sort of like the Schwarzenegger experience we've come to expect, like you say, like with bodies and and flying everywhere. And and that's what like sort of these sort of Schwarzenegger films were at that point. Obviously, we all know if you've seen this film, we all know that that changes. It's in this space they find another integral character to the story. But let's not forget Jesse Ventura has been hit, but he hasn't got time to bleed which for me is probably the best line in the film and something that I've used in real life on so many occasions, even when it doesn't make sense to. Um, I just, I love, I love that line in this. It is a classic line. Yeah. It's just, it's just so well like delivered and it's just so funny and obviously doesn't fucking make any sense. Cause then he's just like, have you got time to duck? <laughs> and he still doesn't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> I love it. So, and I then, do, just talking gone. about the, where they've they've gone to that camp and they just literally they slaughter everybody but this one girl. Yeah, yeah. Do, do they really ever really explain why? Because and she she kind of gets over the fact that everyone she knows has just been brutally murdered. Well, I think oh no, I, they they do um um do it, don't they? They do sort of get over why. Well, we get into that a little bit later as to why she runs away or when what happens and that, but they don't necessarily say so much that i can remember even though i watched it the other day that of as to why they take her no, no, with them I no, because obviously didn't... they didn't know unless unless that was part of the plan to get her out obviously you know dylan obviously knows more about it yeah um, because obviously this is where at this point you get more hostility emerging because um you you sort of find out that dylan and the forces that be in the army and that like it's all set up isn't it so that arnold and his teams as you said, like, you know, they're the they're the only team, they're the only ones that can get the job done. So obviously he's pissed off now. But at that point, you sort of there's there's more animosity between them because Dylan's sort of fucked them all over. Um and then he fucks them over more by just picking up some chick who <laughs> yeah. would probably rather have just died along with all of her family. Yeah, bro. <laughs> more than likely. Um, so Billy's really starting to smell something in the air, something he doesn't like but they piss off anyway and carry on through the jungle with the lady they find at the base who does try to escape but she fucks it right up until she tries to escape again and doesn't fuck it up but but ends up causing absolute chaos as Shane Black catches up with her it's the first time we get a look well I mean sort of a look at the predator you know I mean well you do know he's there sort of basically because he's got his visibility cloak Um, and anyways he drags him off and now everybody is freaking the fuck out. Uh, the body, Jesse Ventura, uh, is next to go, and uh, he basically gets his whole torso blown the fuck through from a big old laser beam. Uh, Mac runs after him, uh, but he's he's too late, and he sees him lying there uh, where he is most probably dead. But then he starts to see a figure in front of him. And then in the scene that I absolutely love, they all join together and absolutely go absolutely fucking mental, blowing the shit out of the jungle. I mean, the amount of ammunition that they must have gone through in this scene probably was like half of the film's budget. But it's sort of one of those 
well, I mean, you mentioned it earlier as well, but it's like, it's another scene in this film where it sort of feels like so, well, especially this scene, it's like, it sort of just, it doesn't make sense for them to go so fucking mental in a jungle. No, but, and it's it's so like uh, macho. Yeah, and like yeah. So like, uh, like I was saying about the military being kind of a big thing in the 90s in, in movies and that, that trope was kind of big. Like yeah. the idea that, um, uh, uh, that people going to the cinema, they, a lot of them at that point particularly, it was cool to know about guns. So yeah. every member of the team has a different gun to kind of reflect their uh, personality and their kind of, their presence, I suppose. So like one of them's got like fucking bazooka, someone's got a yeah. mini gun. Yeah. Like no, they haven't all just got like standard issue, like we've all got an Uzi. Like everyone's got a completely different weapon to kind of, so when they all like let loose and they're just blowing the shit out of the jungle like <laughs> it actually makes it more interesting because yeah. you're seeing all these different the, these different weapons and the different effects of all this this these different munitions but it does go on a bloody long time it does go on like shoot every, in a forest every time you think it's nearly over it just keeps going and like you know yeah. obviously it ends when like he's still the barrel that is still yeah, the, rolling the whirling gun on the uh, yeah the, the the whirling barrel on the minigun that's the te- that's the technical term term as well the whirly whirly gun whirly gun um yeah. and then obviously because um Steve Ventura is dead this is where you get like quite a touching scene uh where Mac is saying his farewells to his friends who uh, you know he's another casualty of war that they've all presumably seen way too much which is you know quite a touching scene for him uh, finally get a look but not his face mind you but we get a look at the predator patching himself up um and and this scene's quite an important one for me uh, anyway watching this because in this scene uh, he, he's sort of patching himself up and that and and what he's doing is essentially showing the audience that he does actually feel pain uh, it sort of gives you that sense of maybe they do have a chance you know he, he can be hurt and uh, he does feel pain and he does he does bleed and the team are starting to shit their pants even more now, especially when Double R Billy confesses he's scared and that they're all going to die, which is not a nice thing for anyone to hear. So they start setting traps around, but the only thing that is a big bloody pig. So they caught that right the far up. I mean, that pig is fucking massive as well. Uh, the Mac just sort of barehandedly kills him. And that, that scene always sort of makes me laugh. But now they are getting even more aggravated because during the pig attack, uh, some motherfucker has snuck in and stolen all their shit, um, which is I like, really like that bit in the scene as well, because it's sort of like one of those other things that makes them sort of panic a little bit more. Now it's business time. It's time to put those cookies down and get shit together, because if it bleeds, we can kill it. Such so a fi- great line. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Another amazing line. Like, um, yeah, I just there's so many lines in this film that are so good that also it makes me laugh because they're like, they are classic Schwarzenegger one-liners, but they're actually better than his normal one-liners because yeah. they sort of make sense to the film. Um, and they're not so, like, they're not delivered so badly. Uh, it just works with the film. I think they make the shit ones, like the ones we've already heard, like yeah. where where he's like, stick around and that. Yeah. It kind of makes them seem kind of almost pointless and a bit over the top because the ones that make sense really make sense. They kind of, make the other ones stick out for yeah. being a bit too cheesy. Yeah. Finally, with one of the traps made, they catch the bastard, but he breaks free pretty easy. Uh, then obviously, uh, well, you said that you um, you said something about the traps as well, didn't you? Yeah, well, first of all, when they're doing their, when they've made the trap, 
one of the blokes is like, we can, might just have a shave. <laughs> oh yeah, Mac. Yeah, Mac's what just having a shave. Yeah, doing? and yeah. it's and he's so sweat. It just brings out the sweat, and he and he actually he snaps the whole on his face and doesn't oh yeah, cut that's his face. right. Yeah. Oh it's no, there mental. is there is there, you can see it if you see it, especially well you see it on four K unless they're taking it out, but you can see there's like an imprint of the razor, so you can right. see like a bit of wow. go, go back and watch it. But you'll I'll go get, back and check a bit harder. Um, yeah, you get like a little bit of blood that goes down. Um, oh, it, it is funny. I, lo- I love that bit. I also love the fact after they made the trap, uh, Johnny almost immediately on himself. Yeah, when <laughs> yeah. He yeah he's like walking. Yeah. It's cool. It makes the funniest noise. Yeah. I wrote it down like <laughs> it's like, ah, it, it's like an old like... auntie. Yeah. Yeah, I always imagine that bit, you know, when like R2-D2's around, he's like, woo! <laughs> yeah, Star Wars. Such, it's such a funny sound. It is a, a couple of odd choices for sounds, but yeah. that one, like, proper love. But, it's not a sound yeah, The other note I've got here is that it's, it, the performances throughout, uh, throughout this movie are so good. Like, they, oh, yeah. Even though certain elements are so ridiculous, the, the performances are so kind of um, ending and like, believable like yeah. they're not 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 believable but they're just so kind of encapsulating well i will uh, i will get to that later um because that that's one of i'll get to it later because i've got a whole big thing on that um because you are this... absolutely right and but i've i've got a whole sort of big thing on that okay but, um, but this bit i'm talking about uh it just gets caught and then it kind yeah. of escapes yeah, that's it. And this is the bit where they find out that it didn't. They figure out it didn't kill one of them because they were unarmed. Is that the that that bit? Uh, that sort of. Yeah. Out? So so basically, um, it, yeah, he breaks free, makes a really weird sound, uh, and then Apollo Creed. Sees yeah, the, the sound is so good. That's the brilliant sound. Yeah. Like some of those sounds are shit, but like the the little clicky uh, kind of approaching its prey, like it's such yeah. a cool. It like is so bit, cool, yeah. Effect work. It's just um, creepy as hell, but like also like spacey and like they've ticked every box. It's brilliant. Oh yeah, the sound, everything's everything's amazing. Um, but yeah, C- Apollo Creed sees the Predator uh, and so does Mac. And this is at the point where they go running after him to avenge the death of his mate, Captain Freeman, Freedom. Uh, see, that's another reference. I'm not going to save what for, so anyone can tell me once, they, uh, once this show's out. First out of the two to go is, unfortunately, Mac. Um, once again, trying to stealth his way through, but he can't fool the Predator, who basically blows his face off. And then, unfortunately, <laughs> and then unfortunately Chubbs uh, is next, who doesn't just lose his hand, but loses his whole fucking arm and then gets killed to death. Death. Killed to death. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's you don't want to be killed to anything else, do you? No, no, right. no, just killed to death. It's quite hard to do, actually. Yeah, killed um... to death. <laughs> Um, while they're all on the run, Badass Billy decides to fight the Predator one-on-one, which unfortunately we don't get to see. But what we do uh, get is that we get to hear his screams. Um, and now the team are back on back uh, on the back foot, trying to flee the Predator with another classic line, Get to the chopper! <laughs> that was good. That I love that. That wasn't too bad. But, it's, but I've always remember like, watching this scene as a kid and just like shouting like fucking run because it's so intense and obviously you know they're running and the predator you know how sort of close he's getting because um you know billy's just fucking being killed right behind him so um you know and and boy obviously and boy does schwarzenegger run because he runs so much he runs straight off a fucking cliff 
<laughs> and and then and then we have the scene um that i absolutely love because it really does start to sh- you know to change the tone of the movie because schwarzenegger realizes that now he has an advantage where he is not giving off any body heat as the mud is lowering his body temperature and also the film now becomes a sole survivor struggle to evade capture and death from the predator and it's also where we get our first proper look at how fucking cool the predator looks and thank god uh, stan winston came on and did what he did but i'll speak about that later uh, i was gonna say like the the cost the costume design the character design uh, it's like it, it's it is top it is top level in this film. Um, but I it's like, um, if it's, it's like if Jonathan Davis and Casey Jones had an <laughs> evil space baby. That's that's the predator. That's how they got they did the designs. That's lit. That's literally it. Well, I mean, not baby. It would have to grow up into a adult space being. But <laughs> like those, that's that to me is like yeah. And all of those people are cool. Space babies are cool. Jonathan Davis is called. Casey Jones is called. Cool. All of them are merged into the Predator. The Predator is fucking cool. So yeah, it is amazing when you get a first look at him, and you, and you forget how far into the film that is as well. Because I think yeah, it's mainly because of all the sequels where they've always made the image of the Predator so prominent. Whereas in the press for the original film, it was more towards the back, wasn't it? But I'll let you get on with your synopsis. I'm banging on about character design and you said we'll talk about that later so I'll shut up but now it's time for Mr Olympia to start setting his own traps knowing full well the predator now can't see him you know because of all the mud and that um but both of them are now preparing for battle and Schwarzenegger is trying to bring the fight to him when he lets off a battle cry similar to something of a barbarian we get a super intense scene where the Predator is literally going right past Big Arnold, who goes full Indiana Jones to get to the other side uh, to get a closer look so he can crossbow the fuck out of Big Preds. And I mean, I love that that little scene as well, because it's it's one of those classic things where the person who's making it clearly understands how to make a film because, you know, you're like, is it like... At that point, he could literally be dead if the predator knows that he's in. Like, imagine if he's going down the tree and he just sort of nudges into him and be like, "Oh, hello!" (laughs) Just like, yeah, laser. Yeah, I just, I just love that scene because it's just, you know, as I said, it just goes to show that you've got somebody who's clearly understands, you know, what sort of film they're trying to show the audience. I'm assuming at this point he, the laser, because he doesn't use his laser at this point. Is that? Has that been damaged by the water? When well, fell? well, this is the bit because it's this point now um, because obviously he's trying to crossbone because he's got that bit where he can see him because that's where Indiana Jones is over to the uh, to the other tree where he can see him walking across. Um, yeah. And then he retaliates, obviously, in similar fashion to how they reacted earlier um, in the film by going absolutely fucking ballistic and he tries blowing everything up. So he's like fucking using his lasers to like shoot the shit out of everything. And then, and then, obviously, at that point, it all becomes sort of a bit of a cat and mouse game where they're trying to outplay each other. And, you know, you don't know sort of at this point who's going to win. And then, obviously, there's a bit where Arnold Schwarzenegger's following sort of that green blood and he thinks he's got the Predator right where he wants him. Um, but, obviously, he's actually the one that's been got. So he absolutely legs it and jumps into the water where the silly goose uh, is washed all of his mud off. So at that point, obviously, we know what that means. Uh, as the audience 
And then the predator now has him. And you're thinking that he's definitely dead. But the predator being a good sport is going to give him a chance to see if he's worthy of taking his crown. Although obviously it's more of a mask than a crown, uh, which he takes off and you finally get to see what the predator is hiding underneath. And let's just say there's probably a reason why he covers it up. And because Schwarzenegger says the classic line, I don't even know if I can do this in Schwarzenegger. I'm going to try it anyway. He goes, "You're one ugly motherfucker." No, that sounds more like that sounds more like Tommy Wiseau from the room. But anyway, that's what he says to him. He calls him an ugly motherfucker, and that's obviously another yeah. classic line. Um, and and you know he is fair play to him. I mean, <laughs> he is fucking hideous. Like, <laughs> I, I I'd wear a hockey mask if I looked like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it is also something only Ben Richards would have the balls to say to an intergalactic being who is the size of a fucking house. But Schwarzenegger gets the absolute shit kicked out of him. You know, so obviously at that point you're thinking, you know, he's, he's got no chance. He's definitely dead. But he manages to crawl away and he's trying to lead the predator into another one of his traps. But as we've already seen, he's not as dumb as he looks. But fortunately, he is actually dumb as fuck because Schwarzenegger kicks a tiny little log that drops an absolute fucking massive log that actually looks like a giant turd and drops it onto the Predator. He proper Home Alone's him. Yeah. It's proper (laughs) Kevin McAllister shit. (laughs) That's that's the crossover I want to see. Yeah, yeah. Schwarzenegger and uh, Macaulay Culkin fighting a Predator. yeah. Because I reckon Macaulay Culkin would have done a better... He'd have done it quicker. Like, yeah. Arnie t- took his time, man, with all these fucking... Just one decent trap would have come up. Like, that's, that's Macaulay Culkin all the way. Yeah, but it'd only, it'd only work if they had paint cans in the jungle. Oh, it's not in the jungle. It's uh, it's in... Uh, it's Christmas time Boston. in New York. Yeah, or whenever it is. <laughs> Imagine if the Predator was York, going... It's, I'm sure it's like Boston or somewhere like oh, that. Something like that. Yeah. So oh, imagine fine. if imagine if like the predator was just like walking around Boston, be like, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so obviously, um, yeah, obviously he drops this giant massive turd on the predator. Uh, and then here we get another line. And this is this is a line that I really like in the film because it sort of means two things depending on how you take it. So this is where Schwarzenegger asks him, what the hell are you? I didn't do it in his voice then. I can't do it anymore because I'm so bad at it. Um, I'm not doing it. Well, he goes, what the hell are you? And obviously, so we saw earlier in the film, the Predator can mimic or at least try uh, try to mimic what he's hearing or heard. So, so he at this re- point, what he should have done is just gone, I'm an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Slid away. I have nine brains. I can. Yeah. <laughs> I have orchestrated some sort of breathing apparatus out of sea onto land, and that's yeah. that's how he did it. And then now he's a space octopus. A space octopus. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. So he's heard um, that. So he repeats back to Schwarzenegger or Dutch, whatever you want to call him. What the hell are you? So I find it really interesting. This. So it could seem uh, that he's mimicking Dutch. You know, and and say, you know, mimicking what he asked him. But for me, when I watch it, I like to think that he's actually asking Schwarzenegger, "What the hell are you?" You know, sort of back to him because now yeah. he's been defeated by something that he doesn't understand and presumably don't know. Because obviously, as we've come to understand about the predator outside of this movie, so to speak, is that that's sort of what he does. He he turns up in this extreme heat, hot weather, and goes around. Um, you know, essentially fighting uh, people who 
you know, that's their game, isn't it? The Predators game, you know, he's, he's going around and trying to see if there's people that can match him in, in terms of fighting ability and all that sort of stuff. And um, it's sort of like as if he's met his match with, with Schwarzenegger. Yeah. But then at that point, he basically decides to press these really cool arm gadget thing um, that we realise now is a countdown and sets off an absolute fucking massive explosion. Like, I'm talking an explosion that people do not survive. But obviously, unless you're Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, who now, um, as the dust from the explosion... Then, he, yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah, go on. before then, the, one of the, the... When he sets the, um, the, the, the bomb, his little yeah. countdown bomb, he starts off making this weird noise. Yeah, and it's and like a laugh. At the end of it, it's literally just a bloke laughing. Yeah. It just changes yeah. from like... Yeah. To a bloke just going... <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, it's so... Like, they haven't tried to dress it up as anything. It's like, that's that's weird, because even if it can mimic sounds of things, when has it ever heard a man laugh like that? Well, I, I'll tell you something. You wait till you get to one of my other facts about that, because that's also oh, going to blow yes. your mind. Oh, uh, yes. These facts, I'll tell you, these they're in depth, these ones, because there's fucking so much. Um, but yeah, as, as the dust um, from the explosion is settling, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, emerges battle-hardened and, and in need of a shower. And he's taken off he's in head- the shower since he got there. Yeah, mate. everyone, even the fucking papers needed <laughs> the even, helicopter needs a shower. Even the shower needs a shower. <laughs> Everyone's just dripping with sweaters. <laughs> Everything is covered in it. And, and he's taken off in a helicopter, contemplating what the fuck has just happened. And that is the end of the film. Just him in a helicopter looking like really like, oh, that's fucking bad, wasn't it? <laughs> and that that's the end of the film. And then, and then immediately it's followed up with the uh, with the predator theme, which is really kind of eighties, but quite <laughs> really <laughs> menacing, <laughs> uh, like really kind of unnerving and weird. Yeah. And then over yeah. it, it plays plays like little shots of the yeah. cast who are yeah. all like having the best time, just smiling. Like you've got the um... at the camera, like promo shots, like ha, yeah, yeah and all that high five and like thumbs up and, like, and you've just seen like a load of fucking shit happen everyone's like hey I'm Dan I live down the road <laughs> I live down the road yeah. <laughs> it's um it's a very I always find it a really weird way to end the movie um, yeah is, not just yeah. not just the actual ending of the movie because it's very on Schwarzenegger like like if they'd have just ended it with him standing there you know double R with uh with a cigar then that's what you sort of expect but the fact that he's just sort of... Uh, it's quite a in, humble ending, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what... I mean, I'll talk about that a little bit later as well, but that's one of the other things that I love about this film is um, the tropes and, and what it what it gets rid of. But I'll get into that later because there's so much um, to, to go through. But, yeah, that, that's that's the ending of the of the film. So um, hopefully, hopefully, if, you, if you're still listening, well done. And... Uh, that's what the film is so uh, if you haven't seen it which you probably should have or have um now you don't need to because we've told you exactly what happens um at, yeah, but do, you didn't do you didn't do an impression of the do it now kill me oh well when he goes ah, do it now kill me yeah there you go. now was, they don't need to watch it now they don't now they do now it. i'm here i'm right here I've done all of the, the key bits that's it i've done all the key <laughs> quotes that's it i just need to take out these these uh really bad Schwarzenegger impressions and put them all together 
and uh, put it at the start of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, as I say, that's a synopsis. That's a, a slightly more detailed version than what Google gives you. Um, but now is the part of the podcast where I like to start giving you more sort of information uh, about the film itself uh, during production and everything afterwards. So, uh, and it is so interesting, this film, um, and the bits I found out and the bit obviously bits I already know. Following the release of Rocky Four, which is obviously weird to talk about Rocky Four on a fucking podcast about Predator, um, there was a running joke going around Hollywood that as now Stallone had beaten the Russians, he would now have to turn to casting aliens to fight in his next Rocky film. And this is a joke that Jim and John Thomas, the writers of Predator, took quite literally. So they created a draft and a story that back then was titled The Hunter. So originally that's what Predator was, was going to be called. Where, uh, where originally it would follow, follow multiple badass aliens going around trying to kill everyone, but later and luckily decided to centre it on just one hunter. And then we got, obviously, the name change that we know to, to the movie The Predator. And, I mean, to be honest as well, when I, was, when I was reading that, Hunter isn't actually a bad name for a movie or for the film, for this film. It sort of works. So even if it was called Hunter, uh, Hunter still works as, as, a, as a name for this movie anyway. Um, it does, but I think the, the word Predator, Predator because yeah. also it, it, the word came into the zeitgeist as a as a uh, result of this movie you know oh, used to okay. get added as predator trainers and like the term predator was used like in selling products yes like it yeah became like a cool word that you said i'm sure there was a pair of football boots that were particularly yeah um well known at the time and like the word is so visceral like yeah. i know what you mean about hunter it's still but like the predator i don't know is this something just, yeah you're, you're they, right it's just like they've got know. something like marketing wise or whatever like that name is just so good because it's just such a sh sharp sounding word yeah and um the, the the iconography of the actual character of the predator i completely associate with the word predator yeah i've been watching a david attenborough doc documentary and he says that the, the predator is approaching <laughs> and like you it's, just imagine some fucking big alien somewhere in the back of your head like it's just like predators are cool um, yeah, so that's that's what it originally was going to be called, and they changed the name to Predator. But now, with Jim and John not known in the Hollywood circuit, um, at that point, they found it hard to get someone to back the movie. But that was until 20th Century Fox got hold of the idea, who then at the time uh, went to Joel Silver, who directed some pretty big deal um, action films at that point, uh, and really thought that this could be something big. And bearing in mind, he'd already worked with Schwarzenegger in Commando. You know, it sort of was a no-brainer. And then it was at this point that they hired a director who hadn't directed a studio film before. So it was something that they really had to take a chance on uh, with this director. Um, but obviously, as I said earlier, this is now the legendary director, John McTiernan, uh, who uh, a year later, so it was only a year later that he directed Die Hard. And also, I will speak about him a little bit later as well once we get into you know the the nitty-gritty about how we feel about it and stuff because I, I genuinely think there's a lot to be said about him as a director with this film I think it, he's so integral to how he did this film but I, I'll speak about that um a little bit more later when it came to the casting Schwarzenegger was obviously um 
because of his previous films with Joel Silver and the studio was the first and the only choice for the role as Dutch in the movie. And he actually played a real important part in the scripting stage and the process to bring what we see to the screen. The writers decided to try and get a script done in a week because apparently, once again, that's what Stallone did. They I, Basically, I hope Stallone gets royalties because he was pretty much a big deal is the reason this film got made. Um, when Schwarzenegger read it, he felt like he couldn't really connect uh, with the script or the character. Um, so they all sat down, they had a good old chat, and it was Big Arnold that came up with a lot of the ideas himself. For example, it was his idea that they would be a team of commandos. Um, and it was also his idea that they would be them going to the jungle. So his ideas and the work that he did with the writers and the team and the director really genuinely had an impact on the story. Uh, it's, it's a good thing that it sort of happened because at that time, because if obviously Schwarzenegger had, uh, you know, less films under his belt and wasn't sort of that rising star of the star that he was at the time, he probably wouldn't have had that much of an input. But um Luckily. No, and they sound like really valuable inputs. As well. I mean, I mean, was there a plan for it to ever be set anywhere else, or have they just really not got that far? And I, yeah, at the I, time, suggested the jungle. I'm sure that I'm sure that there probably was. I can't remember. I might have even read what it was um, in the original sort of story and so on like that. But yeah, it was his idea. I mean, it's not a stretch for him to think uh, that like, oh, we should be commandos and go into the jungle and blow everything up. Um, but um, but I think, um, you know, he said it and it bloody worked. And also, and this is what's interesting, this is another uh, little thing that I wanted to throw in here as well. But he is quoted as saying, so obviously don't come at me because this is, this is literally what he said. He said he does enjoy the way uh, the film switches from essentially being a standard action film. But then when he's left alone, uh, starts to turn into more of a horror sci-fi so obviously, if you wanted more definitive proof uh, that you can regard this in the horror universe, then obviously there is. Shut the fuck up, basically, because uh, Schwarzenegger said it himself. Yeah, and he basically made eighty percent of the film by saying things. So. <laughs> yeah, the rest eighty percent Schwarzenegger, twenty percent sweat. Yeah, that's um, that's that, that's the predator. That's the predator. Well, apart from the predator itself, yeah, which, space you know, octopus. Space octopus. <laughs> the space Angry octopus. Space octopus. Um, and then next to come on board was Carl Weathers who once again was the only choice after hitting it big with Rocky IV and the rest of the cast were added as a standard practice for example Jesse Ventura was already a wrestler and he was obviously fucking massive so it worked um, and all of them really do play their part well in this film the characters really do blend into the story uh, and the film and that is quite clearly a testament to all that were involved in the creative process um, and that was sort of, you know, what we hinted at earlier and we speak about uh, later is that this work, this film blends and works so well uh, together, you know, every aspect of it. Another thing that I find interesting uh, is the amazing score, which you've already mentioned as well for this film. Um, and once again, is another thing that stands out. Um, what I find funny is that it was actually created by Alan Silvestri. Um, but he'd literally just come off a completely different type of film, which was Back to the Future. So he did Back to the Future and then went, you know, straight into doing Predator, which uh, you, you can't, I mean, it's a testament to his abilities, I suppose, and his talent, because you can't really tell that it's sort of Back to the Future music. I think, yeah, I think 
I'd never thought of it before, but like I can hear like the um, in that main predator theme. It's reminiscent of like some of the uh, some of the kind of rhythms and patterns using Back to the Future when the Libyans uh, are in the car park. Oh, okay, yeah, there's, you're right. Yeah, there's that kind of percussive synthesis. I can see a little relationship there, which I'd never, I would never have noticed. No, but now you say it, I can be like, oh yeah, I can, I can, I can believe it's the same person that I've done. They've done very different but equally good work. But like, yeah. I can believe it. There are those little tells in his music production and so now when you go and next time you ever watch predator you'll probably like hear more of the back to the future yeah probably and then in yeah, the background about... you'll just have somebody like huey lewis being like back in time yeah and then, I'll, <laughs> then, and then i'll be worried that i'm going back in time to be attacked by a predator which yeah. is like the, the worst of both worlds it's stuck in a loop yeah, nobody wants yeah, that yeah. Um, so then the majority of the film was uh, it was filmed in the jungles of Mexico. And even though the film looked like it was hot as fuck, like we mentioned, everyone was fucking sweating. Um, it was funny enough. It was actually the absolute opposite. Uh, the cast were absolutely freezing and actually had to have constant heat lamps working on set. And there was constant workout sessions to keep their blood pumping, uh, which when I read that, like fucking blew my mind because I don't I can't believe that. Look because, at them. They're I know. falling apart. Like, that's <laughs> not acting. They're dying. Men. <laughs> they're all dying, um, yeah. which is also another fact I'll get to later. Um, but they're all, dying. They're all dead. Uh, they're not dead. Um, but yeah, apparently that that's the that's what it was. They they went to time in in Mexico or wherever they went, where it was uh, not what they thought it was going to be, and um, they were they had to fucking warm themselves up all the time. Um, and also, part of production uh, was actually halted on the film, uh, which is why it took longer for it to be released because uh, Schwarzenegger had to go and get married. Um, good for him. Well good done. for him. Well done. Noble. What, <laughs> He's a, good. what a good chap. What a, what a nice man. And uh, even for someone like Schwarzenegger, the filming was very demanding and physically exhausting. Whether that was the 3am workouts where all of these massive bastards were trying to get one up on each other in the gym, or whether it was the constant illnesses and sicknesses uh, going around from the food or the mosquitoes or something was always happening on set that could really drain and the cast and crew. And one of the other difficulties Schwarzenegger found on set was any time he was supposed to do scenes fighting or reacting uh, with anything um, to do with the Predator himself, Kevin Peter Hall. If you've seen pictures of the guy that plays the Predator um, online or, or in the behind the scenes, Pete. Uh, Jonathan Davies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> David. Um, but it basically, he's Kevin Peter Hall and this guy is um, fucking huge. He's a big guy. He, he obviously he fills the suit, you know, really well. Um, that's another thing I'll get into later as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's such a, like a, what they, what, what's the word? Like a really dominant, um, you know, force. Uh, you know, if you see him in front of you, you're going to be fucking scared of him. You know he's what I mean? He's an intimidating Intimidating. Figure. That's it. Yeah. Just like me, intimidating. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, uh, on so many occasions, because of his limited visibility through the costume, um, he would find it very difficult to find his mark and had to do what he could to not smash Arnold Schwarzenegger in the face or cause him serious harm with sharp attachments on his suits because, um, you know, there was so much prosthetics and suit and he had the mask on. Apparently, yeah, he smacked uh, Schwarzenegger quite a few times around the face or cut him with the bits on his arms. He quoted saying that acting in the film was more survival than anything else, which I can sort of believe um, because... 
you know, it it doesn't when I watch this film, it doesn't look like it's an easy ride um, from all the sweat. Um, it, it looks like they had like a tough time doing it. Because they're clearly actually in a jungle. And yeah. you can just imagine that filming and living in a jungle while you film. Yeah. Be like fucking hard work. I mean, obviously some of them might be in hotels or whatever, but they're spending their days out in a massive fucking jungle. Like that's, that's probably why Schwarzenegger got married. He, he wasn't even, yeah, he, he like, didn't even just, know her. That's why jungle. He did. He didn't even know this woman. He's just like, oh, fucking hell, I've got to get out of this jungle. All this sweat everywhere. Um, I'm, I'm going to go and get married. And then he did. And then they were like, oh, halt, you know, halt production for a while. Um, this bit of info, I, I'm not going to go in too much because it's going to be in the facts. Um, so all I will say is originally... The creature effects for the Predator were created by someone called Richard Headland, but unfortunately, it didn't get the desired effects they were going for. Basically, <laughs> it looked really shit. I don't know if you've seen what it looks like, um, but it looked like a giant alien um, that had like armor on it with a weird sort of dog head that looked like a big floppy turd. Actually, see what it looks like. Um, if you just go to Google and type it in, you'll find it. It's sort of it's not hidden; it's everywhere. Um, honestly, does look shit and would have been a completely fucking different movie. It looks really bad. Um, but that is when one of, if not the greatest special effects artists, came on board, and that is obviously Mr. Stan Winston, who. You know, as we all know, he's unfortunately no longer with us, but left behind an incredible resume of work and helped create so much and so many of these memorable characters um, and moments that we still to this day continue to love. I've just looked it up, by the way, the original design. And uh, yeah, somehow it does look like a dog and a turd at the same time. Yeah, it was drawn by Stan Winston himself. And while he was on the plane with none other than James Cameron, who really liked the design, but always wanted to see a creature ball, creature with mandibles. And that is why the Predator had them in the movie, um, because that's what uh, Stan Winston drew into his designs. But I hope James Cameron gets no money for it, because uh, he's got a fucking shitload already, so he can, he can get his filthy mitts off it. And Titanic and Avatar money and Terminator money, he doesn't need any money from Predator. No. Special effects in this film are still great to this day, and it's so interesting to see uh, how they went about getting them. For example, as we mostly know, um, that green screens is what is predominantly used throughout Hollywood for a different backdrop or CGI characters, etc. But because of the jungle being so fucking green, they used the brightest red suit they could get so it would stand, stand out as much as possible. And that is why they would use, uh, that's what they would use uh, when it came to stuff like the, the invisibility cloak uh, the Predator has. I've seen pictures of the red, the red costume and it must have been quite hard to act against because it just looks like a really angry ant, like a big <laughs> angry ant. Yeah, it does. It, like, you know, like, it looks a like giant the shittest like, bad guy from like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, like, like <laughs> the shittest one, you know? And when they go big after that woman shakes a stick at them or something. Yeah, yeah it looks like, looks like one of them. looks rubbish. Look, it like does look shit. Of... The other thing, uh, really cool things um, that the Predators, uh, basically the glowing green blood, um, which I always thought, even as a kid, was, was really cool. And um, 
And I assumed, obviously, it was some form of sort of computer imagery or, you know, for, for whatever they could do at that time. Um, but apparently it was actually created using the green liquid from a UV glow stick. Yeah, that's how I they did it. The... Like, it looked to me like an after <clears throat> effect. That's yeah. wicked that they did that there and then. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's basically it. I mean, they probably... Uh, you know, in, in production somewhere, sort of lightened it up. Enhanced or did, it. Yeah, or enhanced used that it or to something. identify how to make it grow. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, um, but cool. yeah, that's it. So basically, um, next time you're at a rave, bust one of those open and chuck it all over yourself and then you're the predator. Yeah, just um, start running around telling everyone you're a space octopus yeah. and before you know it, they'll be shitting their pants and running away. <laughs> that's it. Also, Which should probably be the case whether you look like the predator or not. Actually. Yeah, probably. They're, just running around probably with run away glow stick all over you. All of those things. <laughs> <laughs> also, I do want to add that don't do this and don't be, you know, don't do it because I'm not yeah. liable for you being a fucking idiot. Um, also, <laughs> chemicals, don't get them on you. No, do, do not get it in, there. in your it's face. Dead. It's probably actual predator blood that's in uh, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, from the that they actually used what it is to make it the predator. Yeah, basically what we're saying is the predator is actually real and they're using his blood to formulate glow sticks. Yeah, so don't 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 be with, go willy-nilly with a bunch of glow sticks, people, because we don't need this on our hands. We've got enough to deal with. <laughs> I've got enough lawsuits from Jared Leto to deal with. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, so as you can tell... Um, there was a lot that went in, uh, you know, in regards to pre-production and post-production and all the film in general. Um, and the film, as I said, uh, was released, you know, the, the later end of the 80s to mixed reviews. Um, but it did make a good amount of money at the box office with around 98 million. Um, but a lot of that obviously would be to do with having such big stars in the film. And that obviously, once you get big stars like Schwarzenegger in the film, obviously that will drive sales. Um, so ultimately... Um, it was a really good idea to have merch to well, have the minute. Well, must have made some <clears> money out of merch with that because I remember it being, you know, there were kids' toys. Because I remember it was, I always found it weird that because I wasn't allowed to watch like adult films when I was a kid. I don't mean adult film. I mean I wasn't allowed to watch adult films or Nothing films sexual. that were made. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. I was I was I was a kid and I was only really allowed to watch kids' film. Yeah, I always found it weird that there were people my class or whatever who had like toys of predator or like the terminator when i knew those movies were for yeah. 18 i found that weird from then like yeah it, i mean I it's like weird six, i mean it's like this is weird because i'm not we're not allowed to watch the film but they're making i found i think i even found it weird they even made the toys because i was like I understand turtles making toys because i can watch the turtles i fucking love turtles yeah so i want that but but why would I want of... the figure of a film that I can't see? Yeah. It's like, you know, it's kind of the completionist in my head. It's like, I wasn't interested in the Terminator figure because I was like, well, I don't understand it. I can't see the other thing. Where I was the opposite and I was going around with uh, the, the Terminator figure that has the arms blown off or... Uh, uh, the T one thousand or the Predator figures are making with them the, fight with the and gloop. I, yeah, with the yeah. gloop, yeah, and I fucking knew it and had it all. Um, but that it's it's, it's weird. But I, I just I did definitely found it hard. I mean, I, I get you know, well, it's been happening for that long. But those these were eighteen films. These were like you know, at the time the most kind of graphically uh, extreme like Hollywood movies that 
uh, we'd ever had. Possibly still to this day, some of them probably are the most violent films of recent years. Yeah. And the fact that they were kids' toys, I just found it so bizarre. But like it sells, it well, yeah. You know. um, yeah, I mean, you know, since all of this, you know, and its release and everything that it's did, you know, money wise and review wise, it, you know, it continued to do wells and it always continues to grow. You know, this film, its fan base. Um, and it is always on the list of different magazines or TV shows or anything in regards to it being one of the best films ever, um, where, you know, in my view, it, it deserves to be. So, so now this film, you know, obviously, as you've already read, you know, heard me talk about it, has a lot of facts uh, cover and go through. And you've got obviously the information, you've got the synopsis and everything so, uh, so you know, so far. Um, facts you really can go into detail about them because there's so many and they're so interesting so that's exactly what I'm going to do now you know normally so number one um, I mean this is this is a uh, this is one that quite a lot of people know but I'll, I'll talk about it anyway um, but Jean-Claude Van Damme was originally cast as the Predator so <laughs> I mean yeah this is this is this is a true story so before anyone knew who he was um, he was essentially just cast because of his talents of doing a roundhouse kick and doing, you know, flips and shit that Jean-Claude Van Damme knows how to do. And I find that really interesting because, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme went on to, to be who he is. And I don't know if he'd have gone and done Predator and been in the film with that floppy dog turd head, um, you know, would he have been the Jean-Claude Van Damme that we know? Probably not. So did he t did he turn it down? Do we know no, 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 no. So he so, okay. So so what happened was he actually was uh, cast as the predator to wear, and basically you can see there's loads of pictures and footage of him doing it. Um, and it, I mean this but is that's kind of turd dog predator. Yeah, that's that's but, not no, proper not predator. Jonathan so this Davis, Casey Jones predator, space Joe, space octopus face. Yeah, uh, predator. That's before yeah. this. Um, but it's, so this is what makes it interesting is all the different sort of stories you hear uh, from different people who are on the film uh, as to why he's not playing the predator um, that we, we see, uh, that we know. One of the main reasons is because he was pretty much uh, like smaller than anyone else. So, you know, I don't, I, you know, if he's smaller than anyone, he's not going to be intimidating uh, like the predator is supposed to be. So um, that's one of the reasons that it, it sort of didn't work. Um, especially when you're standing next to fucking massive people like Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura. Um, uh, you did know, no one noticed he was short before they booked him. Well, I think they did, but obviously once he was in that suit um, that was originally, you know, it's a bigger suit and the head that they had on it that like folded over like some weird sort of turd taffy uh, head. You know, it just it just made him have the appearance of being bigger. Basically, it just it just didn't fucking work. But then some of the other things that came out of set uh, was that he was fired because all he did was complain, um, which is a classic thing that you hear from, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies now anyway, uh, is that all he does is fucking bitch and moan. But then at the same time, uh, a lot of people say that his complaints were valid because the suit was very tight and very restrictive and, and he found it very difficult to breathe, uh, especially when they were trying to get him to do the stunts. Uh, that he was essentially hired for um, and he actually did pass out a couple of times with uh, people telling him that if he does it again he will be fired 
um, which which is a bit of a dick move, to be honest. Which, yeah, I know. Um, and then so a lot of people speculate um, and say that he was fired, but then others say that he left um, the set and didn't return. And the cast members have come out since saying that the suit for him was quite clearly unbearable. Uh, and when he left the set, they put another person in the suit and they also passed out. <laughs> so, so you could sort of say that his complaints were justified. But then... Uh, no matter what sort of happened on set, um, they ended up completely changing, as we know, the creative design of the Predator um, and, and made it, you know, a million times better because, uh, you know, it, it would have been fucking shit if they didn't, basically. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't have dealt with um, that, 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 that dog turd face <laughs> no. loser. Like, no. It just doesn't work. It don't make sense. No. Um, I think that that character design is what is what is one of the key things that don't get me wrong. It is a good film. It really, yes. I, yeah. I, I know we're going to talk about that in a in a second, but the best thing there are loads of good things about it. But the out, the most outstanding thing about it, when you think about the standards of other films around the time, is that character design is yeah. so iconic. The, the 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 term predator and thinking of of that of what that predator looks like when it loses its um, visibility. Like, it's so wicked. The imagery is just so vivid and, like, it's such a cool image. Like, that's what sets it apart. It's one of the, it's one of the key things that makes it a classic is literally that character design and how they've presented it. Yeah, I, I like, 100% agree. Um, it's, 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 it's integral. Well, it's, in, it's interesting because you're right. It's, it's integral... Not necessarily to the film because the film itself is so good, but it, it's so integral to culture, not just, you know, with horror, with action, with sci-fi, but everything because, uh, you you know, as you rightly said, the design of it is so fucking good, which is the reason why we've spanned and we're still going with the Predator franchise, you know what I mean? It's If it looked like the taffy, yes. taffy dog turd space face that it looked like it we wouldn't yeah. have it you know this, this... We, we might not have even had a predator too i'm not sure we would have had danny glover chasing laffy fucking dinosaur cunt across the rooftops <laughs> no no oh, i don't even want i can't even talk about predator two. but uh, yeah anyway we're talking about twos number two uh the cast were put through proper military grade training so they could look at and look and act the part in the movie which would consist of 20 mile runs every day i mean that's fucking mental um and and this training was grueling and pretty much everyone in the cast struggled um but uh, funny enough the only one that didn't and found it easy was jesse ventura um and this is because in the 70s he was actually uh, an underwater marine in real life wow so yeah, so he found it. So even like people like Schwarzenegger and everyone were struggling with it. And uh, Jesse Ventura found it a walk in the park, apparently. Number three, Sonny Langham, who's the actor who portrays Billy, badass Billy, was required to have security on set at all times. Um, the story was that he was very combative towards cast members in different movies um, that he'd previously been in. And he's a, obviously he's a fucking big guy. Uh, and apparently the security wasn't there to protect him. It was to, to protect others from him. You know, so basically he was a legitimate badass outside of the film world uh, and had to have security on set to protect others from him. So he hired 
No, they're the wasting the guards studio. To protect himself. Yeah. Uh, other people against him. Yeah, basically. Oh, that is so good. Yeah, I know. It's so good. I mean, yeah, I think he'd like spent time in prison or stuff like that, I think, um, and then became an actor. I think that's one of the things, because obviously he was in uh, a Stallone film called Lock Up, where he plays like one of the main bad guys in that. But he's just obviously an intimidating guy, but so intimidating that uh, he has to have some fucking security guards on set. <laughs> Such a boss move. Like, I'm, I'm such a badass that I'm going to employ security guards to follow me around to stop me <laughs> killing random people. Like, the impression that gives is so menacing. That's so good. I might I'm start sure doing on it. this occasion it was probably hired by the uh, film crew rather than him himself. Oh, yeah, studio. Way. Yeah, definitely. The yeah. studio probably did it. And they were like, if, you know, we really want him in the film, but we don't want him murdering anyone. So we need to get security. Number four, one of the funny stories from the set. Uh, was one when Arnold Schwarzenegger had found out that his arms were one inch less than Jesse Ventura's uh, and he decided to play a prank on him. Uh, one day on set, Jesse Ventura said to him uh, that they should compare the size of their guns, their arms, um, and whoever won would have to buy a super expensive bottle of champagne. And Schwarzenegger managed to convince the costume department to make it look like Arnold's arms were bigger and loads of them were apparently in on this joke and Arnold won the bet. <laughs> which which is you know hilarious and there is actually footage of of all that sort of stuff for behind the scenes as well of that going on god it's just gone it's so like it's machismo the machismo is just absolutely insane yeah like, it comes across in the movie as well yeah, like yeah. don't get me wrong i'm not like surprised but like when you hear it like that it's like oh my god that's so disgustingly 90s <laughs> um number five and this is this is like i was saying to you earlier it's sort of referencing what you said earlier on um, but director John McTiernan had no idea that the opening of the film was in space um, so where so, and he, obviously he's the director but so where the spaceship obviously drops the pod off apparently he has no recollection of filming that or getting it added until he actually watched the film <laughs> so I mean we're in the same boat because obviously we didn't remember it until no. we watched just to get it immediately and you can't even yeah. see the spaceship is so fast and unless you pause it you can't really i mean you see something but it's over so quickly you can't even identify the object as anything of any real you know anything really that specific no. instinct was it isn't really necessary because i love i've loved the film forever and i didn't remember that that even happened in it so and it's also to that extent it's unnecessary and it's also good to know that the director of the movie also couldn't fucking couldn't remember. Know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, brilliant. Number six, Shane Black, um, who plays obviously one of the Marines, was not actually hired as an actor for his role. Um, he actually demanded mostly that he play the role, um, but he was actually there on set in case they needed uh, any quick rewrites for the script. Um, because obviously we all know that Shane uh, Black is actually now obviously a big time Hollywood director or writer. Um, and at that at the time, um, another film that he wrote, which was Lethal Weapon, um, that came out the same year as Predator. So um, obviously he's continued forth with uh, loads of other films. But yeah, he wasn't actually hired as the actor. He was hired as the, uh, the person that could fix the scripts if needed. That's cool. Yeah. It's a good fact. I'm enjoying these facts. Good. Seven. Um, to sort of coincide with fact number six as well, which is the one before number seven, because that's how the way numbers work. Um, it was the oh, yeah. it was the opposite uh, case for Carl Weathers, 
who was actually hired for his acting ability. As they said, they wanted someone who could really hang acting-wise with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is also known for his brilliant acting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You do need like somebody to bring that gravitas because um, everybody else in the film were sort of either unknowns or, or something like Jesse Ventura. This was like his first film, I think it was. You know, obviously he'd been a wrestler and everything. Is he one of the early like wrestlers to movie stars then? Yeah, yeah, he was. It yeah. became a you know, it's very much a trope now, isn't it? You know, you know that yeah. Well, like Hogan particularly... was pretty much the first one, wasn't he? Is that, um, well, he did, did Hogan do it? Bef- was that before this? Yeah, I think so. I think um, Hogan was doing all the the stuff. Um, oh, right, at Mister Nanny and shit and Suburban Commando. Yeah, Sorry. and he and he does yeah, a really. Good it does time. make sense. He does yeah, he really does. <laughs> Um, number eight, uh, there was, and, and I mean a lot of issues uh, on the film um, in, in regards to accidents or illnesses. For example, uh, people were getting bitten by venomous snakes. The water that they drunk uh, was dirty and people were getting ill from that as well. The director, John McTiernan, broke his wrist. And one of the big things is that Schwarzenegger noticeably becomes thinner throughout the film. And that's because it that much in order. That's weird. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, that's and, and that's a lot of to do with the fact that he actually had an IV drip on set. Um, and that's because he was really reluctant to eat the food or drink uh, what everybody else was getting sick from, basically. So basically just had an IV drip full of his own sweat, just pumping it back <laughs> into him. So he could just yeah. sweat more over everything and everyone else's sweat. Yeah, basically. Everybody else, it's just basically an ivy drip of sweat going into him to make him produce more sweat for the set. Um, number nine. This, so a monkey was actually hired to play the predator during the scenes when he was swinging from different trees to trees. And apparently he was camera shy and refused to start doing it, especially in costume and in front of camera. Um, they put a monkey in a yeah. predator costume. Yeah. And then they were yeah. like, oh, it's not going to do it. And they were like, they were surprised by that. That's I know. Amazing. Why is this monkey not doing what we fucking tell him? We just and... dressed him up like the predator. Should be well happy. Look at him. Looks like <laughs> a complete badass. This monkey's like, just fucking get this off me. I I'd be, him. I'd be fucking terrified if it was like a gorilla, like a giant gorilla, and they got him and dressed him as a predator. That gorilla's gonna fucking get that complex, you know, where you know, because he ain't stupid, he's gonna fucking go after everyone. I'd be worried it'd start singing and throwing bananas like fucking King Louie. King like Louie. ruining my, my movie. Like, it's <laughs> supposed to be a horror. The fucking King of the Swingers over it. <laughs> and number 10, um, and this is once again going back to something that you were talking about earlier. Um, but interestingly, the Predator and Optimus Prime have the same voice. And what I mean by that is that the voice actor, Peter Cullen, who is actually uncredited, was the voice to the Predator and the leader of the Autobots, Optimus Prime himself. He's, he's the, the voice to the Predator, which you can sort of hear, like you were saying earlier, if you listen to the laugh, you can sort of hear something there that's like quite similar to Optimus Prime. Well, the Prime. laugh is definitely the kind of laugh you would hear in a kid's cartoon. <clears throat> Yeah, bad guy. Like it's not, it's not very, it's not very horror. To be fair, that laugh no. once it, it, it starts it, but once it, it goes on forever. It goes on for as long as they were destroying the whole of the Amazon. 
Yeah. Like it goes on forever, but it starts off being quite synthesized and alien. And then for the last kind of 20 minutes of it, it's it's like the sound mix has just given up and just gone, we all know it's someone fucking laughing. Let's just play it as it's supposed to be. And it's just this bloke just going, oh, like forever. Yeah. Um, like that to me, that was the biggest disappointment in the whole movie. Actually. It's just like, that. that. The fact that it was like, I've given up. They're not even make it sound like an alien anymore what they run out synthesizers or something wrong with them well that's because it was optimus prime but he he ruined it that he bit. ruined it that's it he ruined it should have stuck to the clicking they could have done they should have done surely that wasn't him though i don't that is 10 facts about the predator and i hope that obviously you all learned stuff uh maybe coops you hope maybe you learned stuff i mean we learned that you don't like his laugh yeah um, so but I, I still learned 10 facts, though. I'm but not you learned 10 Oh, well, there you go. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And I, I hope that, obviously, uh, the listeners, if, if you've got that far into it, um, I hope you learned something as well. Um, but if you have any more facts that I didn't mention, um, then please go into the show's Instagram page and obviously send me a message and let me know because... Uh, you know, I genuinely always want to know things um, that I don't know about the films that I love. So if you've got any fucking revelations about this film that are going to blow my mind, get hold of me on the Instagram page um, because, yeah, I want to fucking know. But yeah, that's that's that. You've got your 10 facts. You've got um, you, uh, the amazing Google synopsis. You've got Pete's synopsis for the film um, that we it was basically spot on uh, yeah. to, to what Google said. But uh, our in-depth look at the movie scene by scene um you've got the information that i've given you about this absolute classic and as i said we've just we've just given you 10 facts um that still to this day blow my mind um that they happened during filming and behind the scenes and one last thing to say it, in regards to talking about behind the scenes there is an absolutely amazing documentary about this film uh, that I've seen many times, um, and it is a really good insight to where, what went on making this film. Uh, the documentary is called If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It, obviously. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you can see it on YouTube, so if you're a fan of this film, I, check it, I genuinely recommend a watch of it, um, because there's... It, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I know so much about the film before I even started, uh, you know, any research into what was going on on the film, because um, when we used to, you know, DVDs are out and used to get the best fucking special features that lasted two years, I used to bring everything out. And I'm pretty sure uh, that documentary was on one of the DVD special features. And uh, it's, it's a genuine. I'm, I'm, really I'm definitely going to watch that. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's I've only got a budget. DVD version of Predator, so uh, yeah. and that's not why I watched this on anyway. But no. um, and I'm not going to hark on about the point, but I completely agree with you about the demise of physical media, where you used to get loads of extra cool shit, yeah. and now you don't get it. You just you get nothing. You get the the movie, and that's that's it. Yeah, and you can you might be able to find something on YouTube, but yeah, you know, they're nowhere near what we used to have. Like for nerds like us, like. <laughs> it, it's not like to know what they're going on yeah, yeah it, it's, it's it's sad because if i love a movie i want to learn i want to learn about what the process was like and like that really just is fascinating to me you want to kind of forge your uh, personal relationship with it don't you so yes yeah i mean yeah. I, you know when dvds came out that was a massive and i've said this before but that was a massive selling point to like you're saying to people who love 
films and want to know more about the process of them. Um, because for someone like me, as, as you know, with acting and filmmaking and wanting to do that, um, it was like an insight for me. Um, and, and I would learn from those sort of things, you know, because you would know how they did stuff and how they shot things and why the actors did this and stuff. So it was so interesting to uh, watch sometimes these three or four hours making of uh, that you would get on DVDs of, of these horrors, especially because there's obviously so much that goes into making them with the practical effects and, uh, you know, just just the whole process of how a film gets made. And then, yeah, you say you, you just don't really get that anymore. If you Sometimes the, 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 the stuff that happened behind the scenes is more interesting than the movie itself. Um, yeah. I, I really miss that. It yeah, is, I um, do. I'm there. It's one of the big... It was very, we're so, so lucky in regards to our able ability to access entertainment now. Yes. I wouldn't take it away. I wouldn't trade that against the, the positives of old, but it does mean that I still miss those positives of old. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, well, I've, I've said this before, but basically if any studios that are listening to this podcast, because you should be, if you are, you've got to fucking start doing it again because people want to see it. People want to see the process of how this shit's done. And uh, if you are going to be that company that starts it again, um, you're going to make bank and you know, get just fucking get it done because people want to see it. And uh, a film like Predator is, you know, an absolute testament as to why, um, you know, that that should be happening. But then at the same time, I suppose, maybe people don't want to do it because a lot of the films is just now, you know, one person smashing the shit out of a computer, making CGI in a room. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, that's like the predator, <laughs> Love the predator. Um, you know, but that's that. I mean, you, you've been given all of that, but what's important is, but you know, and if you've listened to the show before, um, as usual now, it is the time that we move on to talk about how we personally feel about this, this movie, this absolute classic. Uh, one of the things that when I, when I talk about this, whether it's just, you know, on my own or, or when I'm lucky enough to have guests on, um to to really start talking about the film i love to think and and ask people about if they remember the first time watching it um i mean i always tend to remember the first or first few times i watched it because this film as i said earlier is very nostalgic to me because it was one of the most watched films i've ever seen i've watched this films more times than i know and it is very much one of those weird comfort sort of movies that I always put on because I know that I'm going to enjoy it and I know that I'm going to have a good time. Um, so, I mean, do you remember when you first saw it? Or I, I remember the, the the brand of Predator being around when I was a, like a kid. A kid, yeah. Like I said earlier about like, like the toys and stuff. I yeah. didn't watch it until I was probably early 20s. Yeah. Um, I think I... I knew it was a film I always wanted to watch, but I didn't yeah. want to watch it until I was an adult. And then I just, at some point, got round to it. I bought the Predator 1 and 2 dual, you know, when they used to do, like, bargain... The box set, sort of. Thing. Like, two movies for, yeah. like, six quid or something like that. Yeah. I, I bought it. I was in a period where I was just buying loads of movies, particularly loads of cheap ones that I hadn't seen, to kind of build a DVD collection, I suppose. Um, and uh, yeah, I picked it up, just watched it through on my own one evening, probably eating some popcorn and just like, this is a, a cool movie. I knew it was a cool movie, like yeah. from, um, 
from from the kind of reputation it already had and uh yeah and since then like in regards to horror movies i'm not i'm not a, i'm not a massive fan not that i'm not a fan of the podcast because actually yeah. i'm learning more about it just through listening but um yeah not being a massive fan of horror but i am a big fan of sci-fi um you know when when, when there aren't uh, there are certain genres of films uh, or music, I suppose, that you don't really like, that aren't really your t- to your taste. But then there's some kind of uh, crossover factor through yeah. into something that you do really like. Like it suddenly, it, it kind of allows you to see it in a different light and take more value away from it than being something to you. I think. Yeah, I mean, I I always remember um, watching this, like obviously as as a kid, um, but this. This film is one of the prime examples that I love that over time um, it is something that I've learned to love even more than I did when I first watched it. Because I was crazy about this film. Nothing else really like, you know, I hate the crossovers that they did with Aliens versus Predator and all that shit. I I can't stand those sort of things. Uh, And I don't, in all honesty, I don't even like any of the other Predator movies. Um, But I remember watching this film and loving it. But it's it's one of those films that over time and as you know growing into an adult and stuff that every time I watch it now when you know the things that went on um uh, it makes it even more interesting but you understand um the process and you understand how unlike so many other films of the time and now that it is and and it still is so this film shouldn't work. And I, that, that's the, I think that's the biggest thing that I always like to talk about this film. Um, and I don't know if you, you agree, um, but this film should not work. And there's so many elements to it as in why I think that and why I think that this film is amazing. And, and one of the reasons obviously that I would always want to do a, a podcast episode about it. And what I mean is that this is basically one of the things I've always said about it is that you have a film that is got, real life people like people who in real life who are fucking massive person people but they are massive personalities you know we all know what Arnold Schwarzenegger is like outside of Predator you know and outside of movies we know who he is and what he's like um you know Carl Weathers Jesse Ventura is you know a big sort of out you know loud spoken wrestler you know all of these people are what I consider larger than life characters and you sort of touched on this as well but somehow that does not come across at any point in this movie somehow John McTiernan and everyone that was involved managed to make a film where these larger than life characters did not feel a single bit out of place and I think that that is an incredible part of filmmaking that they managed to do that with a type of film that shouldn't work with these type of actors because it could have so easily been one of those films where they are all larger than life you know you look at so many other obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger films like Commando with the villains in that or The Running Man you know what I mean another film with Jesse Ventura funny enough where he plays somebody that's incredibly over the top it's well just say safe bet for a wrestler isn't it but yeah yeah i think i I think you're entirely right i think um they do manage 
react to. They just put in such convincing performances. Yeah. Even yeah. though the whole thing is, you are willing to suspend your belief on the basis of. It's about a fucking alien acting their asses off. Like it's yeah. It really looks that hot. It looks like they're fucking struggling through a jungle because they fucking are. And um, like their performances are really encapsulating. They're really believable, even though that the the movie as a whole isn't believable. That the, the performances are, are believable enough for you to really empathise and kind of feel like you're struggling through that jungle with them. It's amazing. There's a couple of other things that are really important to me when I think about this film and and how just fucking insanely good it is. Um, one of them is how it completely switches tone, uh, like, you know, like three quarters of the way through it. And, and this is another thing we sort of touched on earlier, where at the start of it, it is very much like that classic Schwarzenegger film. You know, they're going in, they're commandos, they're going in to save the day, um, you know, they're yeah. blowing shit up. Schwarzenegger's lifting fucking trucks and telling everybody to stick around. Um, you know, they're doing all this classic 80s movies shit. And then it completely switches because they become the hunted. Yeah. Which is something you had never really seen a group of people like this, you know, these fucking big muscular men are now being the hunted. And That's then... True, actually. And I'm then... thinking about the fact that actually when they're being hunted, you don't get any of those wisecracks. You don't get no. the one-liners anymore. Like, and that's really, I hadn't really noticed that, but that obviously adds to the tension for the movie. Because yeah. like, yeah, you're right. There is a big, there is a switch that's turned and it's like, and, and it's reflected in absolutely everything. It really builds that drama. Yeah, and, and it does. It, you're, you're right. I mean, it just it just it switches and they become the hunted and they're all getting picked off. And then it really, you know, completely changes into a different film um, from the point where Schwarzenegger is on his own. Um, and like, you know, the man himself touched on from that point on, it, it, it becomes more horror esque because, you know, there he is on his own fighting for survival. And I feel like that tone switches as soon as he comes out of the water um, yeah. and he's got the mud over him, it feels like a completely different film. It, I just, I just find that process so interesting. I, I just think I, I, you know, it's so unlike anything that's been done and I can't think of other things that have done it since or done it as well as predator um, that have made a group of biggest bastards there is and scary people. Um, it will have to have security guards on set, um, you know, be absolutely hunted down, which leads me to the other thing that I absolutely love is the fact that this is like the only film where Schwarzenegger is fucking scared shitless. And I fucking love that. I love that, you know, it, it goes to like what I was saying, but, you know, here he is, you know, Mr. Olympia. Well, you know, fucking massive man. and. Uh, he's now absolutely fucking terrified of of this this you know this predator this alien octopus face that's uh that's coming after him to try and kill him and it's just such an insane dynamic of a film that i wish sort of schwarzenegger did more of really but yeah, yeah it was that's right he puts in a very good performance of actually being scared like, yeah you, you you see him like threatened in other movies or like startled for a yeah. bit but like he does actually portray like genuine 
fear, like not at the point where he's up close to him and he's like, "You're one healthy motherfucker." Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the worst uh, Arnie impression in history. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm saying nothing, but I mean, I might, yeah. I'm, I can't say much. Mine's not great. To be honest, but... It wasn't a impression of Arnie. Anyway, it was an impression of, of the predator doing yeah. impression of Arnie. I, that's what I thought. You should have just kept with that. But no in one back to the future. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I I think uh, fucking great movie. Yeah, um, and uh, it all that, that duality of going from almost like a Vietnam style like war movie, gritty war movie, just to suddenly out like you get those hints of though don't forget there's an alien knocking about, but like doesn't really infringe much that they're doing, and you're more kind of involved in what's going on with the humans and then all of a sudden like yeah that switch changes and it's like this is um this is peril now this is this is dangerous shit yeah i mean i hope you know i hope you agree um but i think that this film does uh as as well as it does in many other genres i do feel that this film does feel at home with horror audiences um as well which is why obviously i've done an episode about it because it, it does belong in it. And that's because, you know, horror doesn't have to just be about fucking guts and ghosts and all goblins and shit like that. Let's remember that Universal Monsters that started it all back in, you know, fucking the 50s and so all long ago, you know, it's one of those films that now people don't necessarily find scary. Back then it was like, you know, people hadn't seen that sort of stuff before and they were terrified. Um, but they're about monsters, you know, and, uh, and, uh, So's this film. So's Predator. It doesn't, you know. So that's why I think that you know this film belongs in the horror universe as well as it does, you know, action and sci-fi. So um, I hope that other people think so as well. I mean, what do you I, think? I I agree. I definitely yeah. agree. Like I say, it's it's kind of the creator gateway, so to speak. Yeah. So if you've got people who are into sci-fi, will be willing to watch. You know, same way I think about. I think the crow can be a bit of a gateway. Yes. Um, there's 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 a few key ones, you know. And I'm not really a horror fan, uh, like I say, out and out. I dislike it. I just don't think I don't ever sit down and think oh, I want to watch a horror movie. That's it. Just doesn't. But it doesn't mean I won't consider one if someone else suggests it or whatever. It's just you know my yeah. way, the way my brain's wired. Yeah. Um, well, the plan so, one day, I, um, all I want to do is get you to sit down this, and watch one. Like a proper one. Yeah, like a proper one. I want to sit you down and I want us to, to watch a proper fucking dark well, horror film. I'm up for it. Good. Uh, I'm up for it. I've seen enough Nine Inch Nails videos to, like, <laughs> my eyes. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, there's some I'm not completely like. alien to it. It's just, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been well good to watch, watch it again. Like, it's, a, it's such a good film and it's a film I'd, I'd really... I had forgotten how good it was. Yeah. I hadn't forgotten how iconic it was. And the, I was like, I can't say enough about the character design because it just looks so cool. Like, yeah. up until the point it takes off its mask when it suddenly looks like so fucking gross. But like, yeah. I think of in my head, my, my image of the Predator is always with the mask on, just fucking yeah. leaping around the jungle, being like an absolute badass. I mean, and that's what's so, I mean, that just goes to show uh, how important someone like stan winston was to films you know not just horror but films in general because 
he didn't just see prosthetics and 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 special effects he saw characters and if it wasn't for yeah. him uh then we wouldn't have so many of these integral characters and obviously the predator is you know at the top of that list on so many's uh uh, monsters and creatures lists you know of, of the best of all time because it's like you were saying you know you can have him with the mask on and he could have had just had that on all the time once he takes it off he becomes something completely different and that would have only yeah. happened because of uh you know stan winston and his and his incredible team and the amazing um mind of his to to create a character and not just something uh that you know that is a part of the film and something that will look good uh he created the predator and but the predator that we know um is so important this film not just uh to for 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 him and for culture pop culture and all that sort of stuff and what the predator has done but every time i watch this film i, I love it i really enjoy it i think it is so different you know, like I've spoken about, whether it's the performances or, you know, or, or as I said, or to me, it's just insane that they take these larger than life actors or, well, real life characters and put them into this film where they're at some point, they're all fucking terrified and they're all not, you know, they don't survive. They're all going to die apart from obviously Schwarzenegger and um, obviously and yeah. And uh, and it's just fucking amazing that they do that. And you know they had the foresight to do that and to be honest john mctiernan uh, had the fucking balls to do it it's a, it's a very different film it's very unlike so many action horror sci-fis i had seen at the time and it still is to this day uh, which is why uh, uh i'm happy that it still continues and after 35 years it's still going no it's incredible yeah it is um, no, it's, it's, so, it's such a good movie and uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, you you've got everything. You've got an in-depth conversation about about this film, and uh, we both highly, massively, one hundred percent recommend this uh, sweat fest of a of a movie <laughs> that definitely belongs in uh, the horror world as well as many other genres uh, that it does. Uh, if you don't think it's a horror, then you've only got yourself to fucking blame. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's it. But I mean, you've already spoken about it at the start, but I want to hear it again. Coupernut, tell me uh, what what you do. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm predominantly a DJ and streamer, um, and I do the odd bit of kind of content creation uh, on Instagram. So Instagram's the best way to get hold of me, kind of on a regular basis. Um, but uh, I do uh, DJ streams on Twitch on Mondays. We do uh, Synthwave. Uh, which I run with another streamer. Uh, we'll do pop-up DJ slots of all different kind of genres. Uh, every Thursday night, I have a chat stream. Starts at 8, finishes at 10. Uh, every other, sometimes it's just me, and I'll, uh, they're generally music-based, but we take lots and lots of tangents, as I'm sure anyone who's listened to this for the last 45 hours will, um, <laughs> will recognise it's just something that's part of what happens when I open my mouth. But uh, yeah, Thursday night, so I do um, streams and then every other one we have uh, Unadulterated, which is the stream I run with my mate Phil and uh, BP here has come on as a guest. That way you get your podcast, if you put in Cooper Nut or Unadulterated, you're with Coops, 
you'll you'll find it but it'll be up there very soon and on youtube i think so um yeah and it's it was great to have you on so thanks oh, for yeah. having me on i am um, because uh, it's been wicked i mean obviously you know we've been friends for a fucking forever and obviously, you know, getting you on the show is, is something that I want to do because you're, you know, you're my mate. But I, I want you on the show because, um, you know, all the stuff that you're doing is stuff that people should fucking go and watch and listen to because uh, unadulterated is fun to, to, to watch and listen to you and, and feel just literally talk fucking shit for however long and go off on what you say, the tangents. And, and it's really fun to watch. And it was great to be on. And as well as that, obviously knowing you both as well. Um, what I really loved after I came off the show was I genuinely felt like a guest, um, but like a really well looked after guest. Uh, say I know you guys, um, so to think and feel that after being on the show um, was really nice feeling for me. Uh, feeling that you really, both of you, really took the time to talk about let's talk horror with me rather than just having me on and uh, me sitting there uh fucking oh no like you know when we get guests on it's because we uh want to hear you know we 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 want to kind of not 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 quiz them so to speak yeah but like we we want them to be able to bring as much you know interest and and conversational pieces to the conversation as possible because you know i've known phil for a bloody long time as well um and uh you know instinctively as friends you go to certain subjects so that's why we think it's really important to have guests on to kind of make us think differently and think about talk about different things so really appreciate you coming on we'll get you on again at oh, some yeah. point in the future definitely 100%. um but thanks so much for having me on to talk movies i do my streams they cover all sorts of things i say i'm a dj i mainly talk about uh, music but um films and and computer games and tv shows they all come up you know most of my live my live streams are live streams there is a chat available and the conversation can sometimes be steered by my imagination going all over the place but also people who are chatting with me on the stream so everyone's always welcome and it's free to get an account for twitch so find me on twitch or any of the other social media platforms and come say hi and you know see what's going on uh it's cooping up for absolutely everything so uh, just uh, have a look how it's spelt in the uh, in the blurb for the old for the old uh, pod. podcast. Yeah, there you go. And then you'll you'll now have to find me. Yeah, they'll, they'll find me. They'll find you. Well, they should yeah. do. Um, as I say, Cooped, it's you know been amazing to have you on, and uh, I'm I'm really happy that we we got to do it. And uh, and make sure that you do honestly all go and check out. Uh, you know the cooping up channels because you have a bloody fun time doing it i know i do when i when i join on and uh um... i've tried a lot of things and whittled it down to like some of the some of the better <laughs> things now now's a good time to join my channel because you're not yeah. just going to get absolutely no shit now you figured it out yeah yeah 18 months in it's the perfect <laughs> time so come yeah come by now's the time uh, come hang out yeah that's it um, well yeah Thanks so well, much, mate. No, thank you very much for coming on. And uh, I will I will speak to you soon. You'll be on the show again and uh, I'll be on yours and uh, I will speak to you soon, my friend. Cool. And if I had my sound effect, I would play it now, but I haven't. So, so, so as usual, uh, you know, when 
uh, you know, these these episodes that I have with guests on, they're always a little bit longer. And I love doing that because, you know, not at any point am I going to stop this conversation that we're having halfway through um, and be like, let's stop it. It's getting too long. I'm never going to fucking do that because I want to talk about these films or topics or people or whatever we're talking about in depth. You know how much I love doing this podcast. And when I have guests on, I want us to be able to talk in depth. So this episode's a little bit longer. Um, might even be the longest one we've ever done. Um, but as usual, I don't want to end an episode without talking about one of my favourite segments that we do uh, on the show and, and on Instagram and everything. And that is where we get to talk about experiences that people have had um, where they shared with me their first time. Their first time that they can remember experiencing horror. You know, sometimes it's the thing that starts us on this journey and we love it and we continue it throughout our whole lives. Or you fucking hate the film that you watched and you will never watch it again and that's it, you're done with it. So that's why these stories are so important. One, because I want all you amazing listeners to hear them, but I love listening to them and uh, receiving them and on, you know, messages and voice messages and everything. I just love uh, getting to read them and experiencing somebody else's nostalgia for this genre. And then it brings back a lot of mine as well. So as I said, with this being a longer episode, I'm only going to give you a couple, two or three. Um, So one of them is uh, I got through Instagram and that's from Chris Jones, 4833. And he just put, there's got to be Horror Express where a prehistoric monster drained all knowledge from its victims, turning their eyes white. Um, I mean, that's fucking terrifying, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those films uh, that sounds, you know, fucking gnarly. And you still love horror now. So it started you on on this journey. And it's and it's amazing that that's, that's imprinted in you. That's part of your your memory. the other one I've got, and it's just a really, really short one, but this one's from um, Katie, who is the co-host of the uh, Spaceman and the Doll podcast, who I was recently on where we did an episode all about uh, the, the absolute classic Shaun of, Dead, Shaun of the Dead. So uh, if you haven't gone and listened to me be a guest on that, go and do it. If you like listening to me on this, you'll like listening to me on that. And then you get two other new people to listen to as well. Um, but she just sent me a message just saying uh, that the one that she can remember first was Cannibal Holocaust. And she was watching it at like six years old, which is fucking insane. Right. I mean, like Cannibal Holocaust, that's a that's intense, you know, band, uh, you know, yeah, to watch that at six. Um, good on you. You know what I mean? And, and well done for keep going in this world of horror. Um, and the other one I've got that I really want to add in um, because it's it's another example of of how incredible these stories can be um, and uh, how important they are to people and how amazing it is when I get to get to read them. So this one is from Scare Traducing, um, who is also another horror movie podcast. So make sure you go and check out Scare Traducing on Instagram and go and check out their stuff. And they were nice enough to send me over this. So um, they, they've put, and remember, I like to read it as, as they sent it to me. They've put the first memory they can recall uh, with a horror movie was seeing Jaws at home. 
um, I mean, yours is an absolute classic and you have no idea how many people I've spoken to in my life that Jaws is one of the first films that they ever watched and started on this on this journey. I mean, it's one of the greatest films of all time for a reason. Um, that was just me talking, not them. Anyway, I'll get back to it. Um, the details aren't particularly clear as to what age I was or if I even played close attention to the full movie, although I highly doubt that I did. But when I do, uh, what I do vividly remember is the sequence when the shark is in the pond on the 4th of July. The image of the shark, un shark underwater about to bite its victim and then seeing the discarded leg fall to the bottom completely haunted me. Going forward, I began to hate being alone in the water, whether it be at the beach, in a lake or even a swimming pool. Just the notion of being alone, surrounded by nothing but water, really got under my skin. And I would irrationally uh, fear that a shark might always be lurking. Further watches have only tormented me further with the opening sequence of Alex Kinter. And then he, uh, they added uh, a little bit as well, saying, um, Alex Kinter's death, but I will still always remember the pond sequence at the first moment. Uh, that a movie stayed with me long after it was over and affected my comfort in certain spaces due to the power um, of horror cinema. So they are, as I say, another horror podcast, Scare-Traducing. Go and check them out. What a fantastic story. And also another example of where you can, you know, you can hear uh, when reading it, you know, and, and hear how, you know, what I'm saying, the words that they've given me is sharing that expression, that passion, that nostalgia for this genre. And that's what this segment is about. Um, you know, I love it. So many of you love it. And it, it's so important to share those experiences and share those stories because sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're traumatizing. Either way, I love, I love hearing them. I love reading them and send them over. So if you are listening to this, head over to our Instagram page. It's just Let's Talk Horror Channel. And if you would like a shout out on a podcast episode, then send them over your first time, your first experience with a horror movie in as much detail as you can. And I will add it into a show. Other than that, we're done. The usual. I've already said it. Get over to Instagram. That is you know, our main source of information, updates about the show as to what's going on. We've got TikTok, we've got Twitter, so make sure you go and add us on there. And please do make sure that whatever your platform you're listening to, whether it's Apple um, or whether you're on Spotify or whatever platform you're using, make sure, please, if you're enjoying it, please hit that rate button because it really, really does help. And also, please review because honestly, it's amazing. It, well, it's insane how much something like that helps. It can bring in new viewers, which is what I'm always trying to get because I always want to take this show and this channel next level. I want to take it to the fucking moon, and, uh, you know, of horror. I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's so important to me, this show, and, and trying to uh, expand it and uh, evolve it. And by rating the show and reviewing the show it really does help um bring in new people and that's what i want you know come join us at let's talk horror 
and uh, and we can have a great time discussing the best genre in the world with the best community of fans in the world. So thank you so much for listening. As usual, I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And as usual, all I can ask you to do is stay creepy. Mm-hmm.